Now, just in case you might be a little confused, I'm sitting in the best seat in the house. You might not know that. I'm sitting back here with Carolyn in the narthex because it's the best place in the house. Carolyn's been asking me to start a sermon back here, and you can just all listen from up there. I'm not going to do it quite that way, but I am going to start out by reading the scripture from back here just so you can just listen to it over you. Just let the scripture wash over you if that's all right. This is from Ephesians 3. When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight in into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to the previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and the prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe in the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise and blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him and spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all of God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in a variety of ways to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is the, was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we now can come boldly and confident to God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should be honored by that. Now I'm going to come forward now. Often there's, there's people that can't really sit in the same way that we can, and they're part of us, just as big a part of us as those that can sit up front. Well, she's saying, bless me now. I feel blessed that she let me sit next to her for a little bit. There are three things in the text this morning that I wanted to cover, just so that you know that, hey, Margie, can you bring me down just ever so much? I feel like I'm blasting myself. Perfect. Thank you. So there's three issues in the text that I want to discover, and you'll notice that I started the, the sermon back there from the back. So I'm going to start the sermon from the last issue in the text and then work forward in the text, just just so that you know that... that uh, this is sometimes the best way to think about it. Okay, so Paul, a prisoner, has been given a job, and his job is to share the mysterious plan so that God's mysteries of his riches could be exposed to the world. And it's his plan to do this, to show the world through the rich variety the magnificent variety, the uncomparable, overwhelmingly wild variety of the church. There's a Greek word here, polypoikos, that is special. 
It's not used in very many places. Matter of fact, if you only read the New Testament, you would think that Paul made up a word. He didn't, though, because if you know your Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures, there's a word, polypoikos, a version of it that it's used in the Joseph narrative in the Old Testament. Joseph was given a polypoikos coat, a coat of rich and variety of colors. So rich in variety, so, so much that we have things, we call that an amazing technicolor dream coat. That's what the word sort of starts to suggest, that the richness of God's plan is to clothe his people in this, in this amazing garment of praise that everybody will notice, that you can't help but notice it. Now, you might say to yourself, yes, Joseph had his coat walked around. And he, was, and he had some older brothers that didn't much care that he had a special coat. That's true. He had brothers that threw him in a pit. And it's part of the reason why we come to this story in the text here. Paul, a prisoner, Joseph, in a pit. There's some narrative here, some, some illusion that we need to remember for our story. But this was God's plan to put us on display, not you on display, but us on display, that the whole amazing amount of God's grace could be displayed in the variety of the church. Now, God moved in you specifically, didn't he? Hasn't he? How many of you have felt God's presence move in your life, that he's changed you, that he's made you part of his people, that you're different, there's nothing you can do about it except you're different, and you just got to talk about it every so often? Is there anybody in here? Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. That's not the only place you'll get to participate this morning, just so you know. Now, there's something that God's doing in this variety of us. Do you know, thankfully, that you're different from me? And you're different from the people sitting next to you and the people all around us and the people in other churches. We're all different and unique, and God created or poured out his blessings on us in such a way that the manifold, the complete grace that he's poured out is shown through the, the variety of the church to everybody. That means you have a part to play in the sharing of God's wisdom, that, that this is his wisdom, that the way he chose to show it. You have a part to play. The purple in the coat is important, but so is the orange. That, that you have a part to play, but so do everybody else that's in there. And together you make up the manifold witness of God to the nations. That's pretty big. That's hard to ignore. By the way, it's going to make some people mad. You know how the world works, don't you? In order for most people in the world to feel good, they've got to make somebody else feel bad. If I'm going to be the top of the heap, then I've got to knock the person off the top of the heap. I've got to fight. I've gotta be the, if I'm going to be number one, nobody else can be doing any good. That's kind of the way the world is. But you're dressed in amazing Technicolor dream code, a new life poured over you by God changes you, it makes you unmistakably his representative, the apple of his eye, just as Joseph 
was the apple of Abraham's eye. The favored child, the perfect kid, the representative of everything that he thinks is special. That's what that coat meant. And the world may throw you in a pit. It threw Paul in prison. But this is the issue that we need to talk about a little bit. This is how his plan is on display and, and his fulfillment of the plan is being accomplished through Christ Jesus. You are being changed and knit together into a community of God. The people, by the way, the community of God. The people called according to his name, who live according to his purpose, who have submitted to the Holy Spirit, who allow God to change them. That's what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. That's not a small itty bitty thing. That means your life is different and you need to live in light of that difference. But in order to live in light of that difference, I need to get to the second little piece of the scripture today that God led me to talk about. His plan of redemption. The good news that Jews and Gentiles would share in this incredible, unfathomable riches that creates the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Do you know what the good news is? What is the good news? Does anybody know what the good news is? I, I hear little whispers, but I can't make out little whispers. Somebody's got to say it out loud. Jesus died for our sins. Is that the whole of the good news? No. Did you have some, Kevin? That Jesus has unconditional love. That is a really important part of the... Anything else? That we can live again in him, that we have new life. New life, actually, there's a little piece of the puzzle that's somewhere between Ree and Glendine is this is the real problem, the troubler of all humanity that was put to death on the cross was death itself. See, you think sin is the problem, but God says the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If, if sin's the problem, sin's actually the, the cause of the real problem, the troubler of all humanity, which is death, there's a tradition, you might not know this, maybe you do, I bet, I bet there are some in here that do, that Golgotha, where the cross was, where Calvary is, was considered to be the burial place of one specific item in ancient history, the skull of Goliath, the troubler of all Israel, was considered to be buried at Golgotha, the hill of the skull the troubler of Israel. Now that's a tradition. I don't know if it's real or not. It was a tradition. But, but remember that if Golgotha, the hill of the skull, is the place where the troubler of Israel was put to rest, the troubler of the people of God, death, was also put to rest in that exact location. So this good news this good news, this gospel that has changed our life, that allows God's complete and forgiving love to flow over us, to handle sin, to handle death, to cause us to be a new people, a new life, a life fit for the kingdom of God, 
you know what it means to have your life be fit for a kingdom? It means it's the right shape. It works in the kingdom of God. You're ready for it. Your future place in heaven is invading your present by developing that life in you right now. That's the good news, this mysterious plan that was not revealed until later that Paul, the least of the people of God, was given to share. By the way, sometimes, do you think perhaps that you might feel like you're the least of the kingdom of God? That maybe you haven't done very much or maybe you can't do anything. You're just, you just know God's grace just enough to think, I'm just skating by. Maybe God will have to do all of this project by himself and I'll stand there and clap on the side because that's all I can do. Is there a spot in you that thinks that maybe you're not up for this? Oh, come on. You're not human if you think you can do this on your own. But this is the part about being human, being the least of these. Jesus said... The least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist, who is the greatest of all people born of women. The least in the kingdom of God, because they have new life, because their life has been reshaped by God, because God has poured his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness out on them, the very least, the one of you who feels the least capable is bigger and better in God's sight all the rest. That's quite a statement, isn't it? God pours his grace out on you in this way and you should be overwhelmed by it. That the kingdom of God, the people of God who have been forgiven are so overwhelmed by this grace, this mercy, this new life that they show to the world this amazing new situation that God is bringing about. And he's showing everybody by those people that don't think they can actually do it. It's an amazing technicolor dream coat of God, if you will. The unsearchable, the unfathomable, the incredible riches of God poured out on you when you didn't deserve it. By the way, you couldn't deserve it, so it was a good thing it was a gift. Sometimes church people begin to think, and notice I said church people, and I didn't say kingdom of God people, but church people sometimes, because sometimes there's some differences. Sometimes church people begin to think that it's really important to make the new people earn the gift when they couldn't do it. They forgot that they couldn't get the gift in the first place without mercy and grace and having it poured out. So the new people come in. Just remember, if you're new and you think people are trying to make you earn it, they couldn't earn it either. It's a free gift. But we come to this like Joseph, Paul, like Joseph. This is my third little analogy, third thing that I think is really important to share in the scripture out of this word today. I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, who slapped the irons on Paul? The Romans. Where are they in the scripture? Where are they in the text? I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. Joseph, 
talking to his brothers in Genesis 50, says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Overwhelmed by mercy and grace, that's the picture of what's going on, that the even the people that caused your momentary and light affliction, even the people that caused your terrible and incredible and, and horrible affliction, that the overwhelming grace of God that he pours out on you in this good news, this new life, this forgiveness, this love, all of it begins to overwhelm the viewpoint that says, you did stuff to me and I got to get you, sucker. And pretty soon you have the attitude of Paul. I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. Not the Romans. Wouldn't you just love to have seen the Roman soldier that was, taught, that was shackled to Paul? That's how they did that for him. He was on house arrest. So he had a Roman soldier that was shackled to him. I wonder how much grace he got to learn about. <laughs> Every moment of the day with a guy whose brain is quicksilver that just talks about God, that all this, that's right. An amazing gift that the Roman soldier had. But this is overwhelmed. Joseph overwhelmed with emotion at the reunion of his brothers who caused him so much pain, all this stuff. He was overwhelmed by the grace that God had poured into his life that forgiveness started to ooze out of him. And he could literally say, I know what you meant for evil. But God, he's taking care of this. He meant it for good. He meant it. He meant it as a great salvation for many. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I know you guys slap these things on me because you intend to try to put me to death. It's all good. I get to talk about Jesus here. Now I'm in a new venue. There are new people to talk to. God has so poured his grace and mercy out on me. You can almost hear Paul as he starts to almost sing in Ephesians when he prays. I'm overwhelmed by the grace of God and the momentary affliction of being in prison is really no big deal. Because while it was meant for evil, it's good. God turned it to good. That's who God is, by the way, that the, that he makes all things to get who turns all things together for good for those called according to his name, who submit to his purpose, who follow the Lord. Right. That's his story. Now, it does not say he makes all things good. I just I'm just my little disclaimer, right? You're holding your hammer. And if you're going to use it properly, you got to wear the gloves and the eye goggles. You've got to understand, there are stuff that's going to happen in your life that is not good. God's going to use it for good. That doesn't make the thing good. That doesn't make cancer good. But God can use it in your life. Have you talked to William recently as he started um, his chemo again? Have you heard him talk about the witness of God in his life, about how... Whether it comes or goes or whether there's a healing, he's happy because God's in charge. That is what we're talking about. The witness of our body, the witness of within us, the witness of people we know who know Christ, that this whole thing becomes this one question. 
so great is the magnitude of God's grace and mercy on us that we can't help but be overwhelmed that our troubles are overwhelmed by the goodness that he pours into us. And by the way, that goodness that he pours into us is how he displays his wisdom to the world and to the, to the, to the angels and to the demons and the unseen powers and the, and the principalities in heaven and on earth, that all of it, the whole of creation begins to witness to the manifold wisdom of God because those people that weren't really all that great to begin with really become God's people. And they love him and they submit to the teaching and they're changed forever. Oh, that we should be so overwhelmed. That we could draw into his presence, that we could skip into the palace of our Lord and just be there with him boldly proclaiming he is our God. What will it take for us to recognize this truth in our lives? What will it take for you to recognize that this is God's plan for you? That he, his whole plan is to just pour out grace and mercy on you so that you can be a witness to a life changed wherever you go with all the other witnesses to the life changes until the whole earth is full of his glory. What will it take for you to recognize this? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you that you anointed us, that you've sent us, that you've called us, that you make it possible for us to witness to you Jesus.